Well, good morning. Uh, this is actually going to be part five of our series, Gospel of the Kingdom. And just before I get started, I want to make two announcements. I think I only have two, two I can remember anyway. Uh, but uh, uh, starting February 2nd, that's a Saturday, we're going to be starting a new Karis Bible study on Saturdays ongoing. Uh, we're going to forgo doing Elios on Saturday nights. So Elios will just be on Wednesday and Thursday nights now. Uh, well, we'll finish out the month of January. But coming up, beginning of February uh, 2nd, we'll start a new Karis Bible study, uh, The Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword. Uh, Sharper Than a Two-Edged Sword is a combination of 16 of Andrew's books. And it's kind of uh, what he calls the clip notes of 16 of those books. And so we're going to be walking through that. So obviously there's about 16 lessons in there. Anyway, that will start the first uh, Saturday in February ongoing at 6 o'clock. And then uh, next Sunday, uh, I don't have the date on that, I think it's the 21st or 20th, but next Sunday will be our annual meeting. So after the, the regular service in the morning, we will have a afternoon, we have meeting following about 1 o'clock, we will be doing our annual meeting. And basically that's just the time for us to recap uh, some of the highlights of what God's done in 2018, as well as uh, give kind of a, a vision for the upcoming year, uh, whatnot, just kind of give you kind of a the state of the church, kind of kind of what's going going on and what's happening. Um, and then uh, with that, we will provide lunch. So lunch will be provided with that, and so that's free. It's open to anybody. Our board will be here, uh, so that's free to anybody. We do that once a year every January, and just kind of give the state of the church uh, of what's going on in the ministry. So anyway, with all the announcements and then uh, advertisements, uh, we'll just get. We'll jump right into the, <clears throat> the message this morning. We're talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God, and I'm actually really enjoying this. Uh, yesterday I was able to minister to some men in a church in San Bernardino, and it's just awesome. And I just kind of, in a sense, gave them a clip note, a version of the gospel of the kingdom. And I just, uh, it was awesome. And I just, came out, it's not just awesome to teach, but it's just God's been teach me a lot on the gospel of the kingdom and they're having a kingdom perspective because mm-hmm. the kingdom of God is here. It's here. It looks like other things are ruling and governing our lives and society as well as uh, sometimes sickness and other uh, things trying to control our lives but the kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. And John, we talked in the first lesson that John the Baptist went about preaching Repent, change your mind, change the way you're thinking, change the way you're focused on, because the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus preached the same message, exact same word. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. He, he goes on to say in Matthew 4.23 that he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing the sick, and everyone, all kinds of diseases. He not only preached the gospel of the kingdom, but he demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom is here. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The kingdom of God is not here. It's not there. The kingdom of God is where? Within us. And the kingdom of God is here. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are blessed and not cursed. We are leading. We should be leading the world and not following the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, are, we have the answer to eternal life. And the kingdom of God is here. And so, um, with this, I didn't quite finish my message last week, so we're going to just jump right back into where we were. 
we, uh, we'll go ahead and start with Matthew 13. We'll actually be there for most of the day. Uh, what we're going to be starting to do from this point forward, uh, at least for the next few weeks, is talking about a lot of the parables. Because a lot of the parables illustrate what the kingdom of God. I gave this definition last week, but a parable is basically just uh, a natural illustration to illustrate a spiritual truth. The, the, it's not so much about the illustration as far as the natural thing, it's just to illustrate a spiritual truth. There's a spiritual diamond, there's a spiritual truth that is just being illustrated. Us teachers and preachers and pastors, uh, whether we're writing a book or whether we're writing an article or uh, preaching a message, we will give illustrations all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just to bring out a spiritual truth, a principle. Uh, that makes sense? And so, uh, um, I'm going to pick it up in Matthew 13, and uh, I'm not going to read the, the whole parable again, because I want to move forward, but uh, let me just change the screen here. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to pick up verse 11, well actually I'll just pick up verse 10 since I'm here. Um, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. <clears throat> uh, there's a lot that we talked about last week along these lines, but God has, it's for us to know. God wants us to know and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We're going to be looking at some of, some of that today. Uh, why, 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 why is it a mystery? And we're going to look at it a little bit of that today in Corinthians, or, and uh, so just hold that thought, hold that question. Um, but, uh, uh, it's given us to know, but the devil has not been given to know. Let me just say this. When we talked about this in the last few weeks. In John, th John 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. That tells you a lot right there. Um, but uh, <coughs> not only did he come at night, but he came to him. If you read uh, John 3, 2, he came to him because he was curious. And this is my just some par paraphrasing addition of this. He was curious because of all the signs and wonders he was seeing. Mm. He, he knew that, that he had to come from God because only God could do these kind of signs and wonders. So he, in other words, he was intrigued by the signs and wonders. That's why he was coming to him. And Jesus' response to him was in John 3, 3, that unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Mm. He went on verse 5, unless you're born again, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. And we, I think we can understand that unless we're born again, we can't enter the kingdom of God. I think we can understand that, but we can't even see it. Mm -hmm. The world can't see that. We're going to touch on that a little bit today. It's a mystery to the world, and there's a reason why that's a mystery to the world. And there's a reason why, and we're going to uh, talk about that in, in, in just a, in a couple minutes. But, but at the same point, even though it's a mystery, it's given to us to know. There's something that, there is a mystery that we need to know. Paul said in Colossians, this mystery is Christ in us in hope of glory. This mystery is Christ in us. But uh, before I get in there, uh, I just want to recap some notes from last week. Um, I'm not going to turn to these passages, passage scriptures, but when in the parable of the sower, if we were to continue to read that, Matthew 1 through 17, and then he gives an explanation, verses 18 and 23. But in, in Mark's uh, uh, in Mark's account of the parable of the sower, after Jesus gives the parable, Jesus makes this statement, take heed, what, uh, 
want to get my notes right, take heed what you hear. And in Luke's version of the parable of the sower, after Jesus gives the parable of the sower, Luke records that it, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. If you were to read the, the, the explanation of the parable in Matthew 18 to, through 19, and actually let me just fast forward, don't get dizzy as I scroll here. But let me just see, uh, pick up verse 18 for a minute. It says, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the words of what? The kingdom. And, 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 and anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the, the wayside. And each, each different kinds of soil, whether it be the, the pathway or the, the rocky soil or the thorny soil or the good soil, each one, Jesus says, depending on how they hear, depends on whether that, that seed is able to gestate and grow and germinate and become a good crop. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. we, we understand this about the parable of the sower is that the seed is the same. It depends on the soil whether we're going to receive. And how we hear and what we hear will determine whether we we see that whether that seed can gestate and grow and be, come into fruition what it's supposed to do. I, I think I mentioned it last week, but even in our English language, if you take the word heart and you take out the H and you take out the T, what word did you get? Ear. And even the, with the word heart, you take out the T, what word did you get? Hear. How we hear and what we hear and our, from our heart will determine whether that so soil is cultivated to receive the seed. Mm. Unless we are born again, we cannot see, we cannot perceive, we cannot hear, we cannot receive the kingdom of God. That makes sense? And that actually, if, uh, if I back up to verse, uh, verse uh, 17... He said, Most surely I say to you that many of the prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Actually, um, excuse me, I want to scroll down to verse, I think it's verse, that was verse 23. Actually, uh, forget where it was at. Let me just look at my notes, excuse me. Right but Jesus makes a statement Take he, uh, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus made this statement, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't find the reference. Don't mean to confuse you. But Jesus makes a statement, take, uh, anyone who has ears, let him hear. Jesus made that statement a lot, many times. Mm -hmm. and, and not only in his parables, and his teaching, I think it's verse 9 he said, but uh, um, even in the book of Revelation, to his, his exhortation to the churches, his letter to the churches, he says, anyone who has ears, let him hear. Mm -hmm. It is important what we hear. It is also important how we hear it. I mean, how many of you ever had a conversation with somebody, and they're hearing the words you say, but they're not hearing? Yeah. Lights on, but nobody's on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very hard, it's very frustrating to have a conversation with someone mm -hmm. like that. And um, sometimes we, we will read the Word of God, we will see, we will, in a sense, we'll hear the words, as far as the words themselves, but we're not hearing the Word. It's not sinking in. It's, the, our receiver is not on. You ever have a Wi-Fi issue or your phone's not connecting? Mm -hmm. You're like, it's turned on. Why is this thing not working? You know? 
I even had a time where all the bars are up and everything looks good and still not receiving. Like, Houston, we got a problem here. You know? But there's but somewhere in the in the science of it all, there's a disconnect. And there's a receiver problem. The Wi-Fi signals are here. Uh, I mean unless you're in some places and you know, maybe on some mountain peak in Mount Everest or somewhere, you're not gonna get a signal. But the, the satellites are here, the, the, the signals are here. Uh, the, the TV, radio, phone signals, uh, they're all here if we, if we can see them. But we need a receiver to receive it. The Word of God is sown, and it will be sown. What, uh, uh, how we hear determines whether that seed falls on good soil or not. So, uh, that makes sense? Okay, so I'm not going to, I wanted to just touch on that a little bit, but I want to move to some new territory this morning. But then we'll kind of it will complement everything we just talked about. First uh, Corinthians chapter two. We're going to come back to Matthew because we're going to spend more time there. But I want to take a detour just for a second. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, and I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, I have not verse nine in my reference, but I want to go for. I think I'm going to go back to verse six. This typo in my notes here, but I, I know I've got the right context. So we'll pick up verse 6. It says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age or this world, nor are the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom that which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for having known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's one of the main reasons why the gospel was a mystery. Because it was a mystery to Satan. Mm. If Satan had known the mystery of the gospel, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. To, we're going to see here in a minute, to the world this is foolishness. Mm -hmm. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. Mm -hmm. The very premise, the very foundation, the very cornerstone is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To the world, it's foolishness. But to us, it's the very power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1, 16. But we know this on this side of the cross. In that age, in that era... Before the cross, if they had understood the mystery of the kingdom of God, they would never have crucified the kingdom of glory. And if they never crucified the kingdom of glory, we would all be miserable. True. There would be no hope. There would be no salvation. That makes sense? Mm. So, there was, it was, and, and it was a mystery on purpose. That makes sense? Amen. And, I mean, through the years, I was like, why mystery? Why don't you just come out and say it? Why, why all this mystical stuff? There's a reason for it. But those of us who are born again, we can see the mystery. We can see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we can see it. And it's, and it's our job to understand it. And it's our job to preach the word of God so that their eyes can see. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Okay? It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the word of the kingdom. We're going to see that. All right, so it's the seed of the kingdom. Verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him, those who love him. 
most of the world, and most of the church for that matter, I'll get into some things in a moment, has not seen, has not heard, has not perceived the things that God has, has given the man. Has given. The kingdom of God is here. That's one message. One key thing I wanted the guys to, to get yesterday at this man's breakfast. The kingdom of God is here. And I loved it afterwards that they kept repeating that phrase. You know, it, it wasn't, it became almost a little joke in a sense, but, it, but that was the point. The message got heard. Yes. The kingdom of God is here. Yes. And uh, it's here, it's not there, and, it, and it's within us. Hmm. And it was a charge that the kingdom of God, we, if his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, I talked a week back, we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we're to seek first and foremost the rule and reign of God in our lives and our families and our bodies and our finances and everything that concerns us. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. It's within us. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. But what man knows, of, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That is huge. Mm -hmm. We have received the Spirit of God for multiple you know, I'm all about the gifts. Mm -hmm. I think they need to be used more. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there's an ignorance in the body of Christ about the gifts. And I think we have become gun-shy with using the gifts. But at the same point in time, the, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to us just for powerful ministry, and it was. I'm not taking away from that. But we have, I think sometimes we have missed the, one of the main reasons we have received the Holy Spirit is so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. It's only by the Spirit of God are we going to know who we are and what we have been given by God. Mm -hmm. Only the Spirit of God can reveal that to us. Remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who does the world say that I am? And they didn't give the answer. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter, not always the spokesman of the group, spoke up and said, you are the Christ. And Jesus' response is that this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but by the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God will reveal Christ. So if the message we're hearing, if what we're hearing from people, whoever it might be, from a pulpit or from the pew or whatever, if it's not revealing the things that have been given to us by God, it is not the Spirit of God. We are living epistles, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 3, 2, and we are written not by ink, but we are written by the Spirit of the living God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we are a life-giving spirit. There's a life-giving spirit in us. Where, in other words, wherever we go, we should be producing light. Light expels darkness. Light expels death. And this, but we need to... <clears throat> there is an ignorance, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Sorry, a lot of thoughts are coming in my mind right now. I'm trying to download which one I do first. You know... But I spoke a few weeks ago, I, 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 I read from Matthew 24, and when Jesus talked about end-time things. 
But he makes a statement in the middle of there. He says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And I made a statement that, you know, I've heard that for years, and I agree with that statement. But I've always thought, in my perception, the way I was taught, and the way I perceived it, is that that the gospel needs to be preached to every people group. And there's a lot of people groups in the world that have not received it. And I, I can concur with that. But I also can concur that even in this country, in other civilized countries, the gospel of the kingdom has not been preached and it has not been received and heard in its entirety. Amen. Some people have gotten this glimpse, this perspective of the gospel, and this perspective of the gospel, and this perspective, but I don't know about you, but I want the full gospel of the kingdom of God. I want everything, all the benefits that are part of this inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. And we need the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. And we need to receive that word. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> all right, let's pick it up verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Amen? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are, what? Foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. For he who is spiritual judges all things. And he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. There's a lot here, and I want to elaborate on it. We do have the mind of Christ. But I want to just make this point, and it's obvious to us who believe. But the natural man cannot understand the things of the kingdom of God. They're spiritually discerned. In other words, it's foolishness to them. Mm -hmm. And let me just make this point. It's a good thing. That is foolishness of the world. Because it's, uh, the scripture brings this out. Is that, in other words, what I'm trying to say, of course it's confusing to the, their, their hearts. Of course, why is their eyes are closed? Their, their, their ears are deaf. They can't perceive it. In other words, if the world is understanding what we're saying by the Spirit, then what we're speaking is not the kingdom of God. They can't understand it because they're spiritually discerned. They must be born again to see the kingdom of God. That makes sense? They, yes, they need to hear it to receive it. And I'm not downplaying that point. But unless they have received the word, unless they have received it, it's going to be foolish. In other words, those who say or claim that they have received the God, but they, uh, um, I'm going to get into this in a minute when I get to uh, the wheat and the tares. There's those who say that they, they know God, but their hearts are far from them. They have received, as Paul would talk about Corinthians, another gospel, another spirit, another Jesus. They have received a counterfeit. They have received a, a form of godliness that denies the power therein. And I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm, I'm being careful with my words because I, I want to set the stage without being confusing. 
But I'm just making this point for right now. To the world, and to those who are not born again, and to those who have not received the word of God, it will be foolish to them. In other words, let me paint the picture this way. If the ones that we are ministering to and we're talking to, for example, I could be talking to someone in the, even in the church about healing, but to them it's foolish. That tells me something. Mm -hmm. I'd be talking to someone in the church about tithing or about another aspect of the gospel, mm -hmm. and it was foolish to them. At least in that area, in that aspect, or that section of the gospel, there's foolishness to them. That tells me something. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. Part of it could be that it's all of a revelation. But part of it could be that they have rejected that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it does come back to ignorance. Does that make, make a little bit of sense? Mm -hmm. I know that there's a little bit of confusion mm -hmm. here, but hopefully that, some of that confusion will clear up in just a minute that I just haven't fully opened that door yet because I want to set the page, set the stage for some of that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I just want to make this point right now that to the world, to those who are spiritually discerned, the gospel will not be wisdom to them. It will be foolish. There's only two sides of the camp: sheep or goats. There's only the, the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael. There's only there's only there's only two options mm -hmm. for either the children of we're going to see in a minute the children of God and the children of the devil. Mm -hmm. There's only two camps. You, 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 there's no lukewarmness here. There's no, there's no, either you're white, you're either you're hot or you're cold. Lukewarm, uh, and we're going to, we're going to deal with that in just a minute. Okay, that makes sense? Um, let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to spend the rest of our time. Most of it here, we'll, we'll probably make a few notes along as we go. But Matthew 13, we're going to pick up verse 24. So Matthew 13, one to, verses 1 to 23, we have the parable of the seller. Let me also make this, that Jesus makes, it, makes this note in Mark's translation of the parable of the seller. If we don't understand the parable of the seller, we won't understand all parables. It's the key parable. But I also believe we're going to be looking at three more parables here in Matthew 13, and they complement the parable of the seller. They're they're different parables. Even I, when I'm giving an illustration, sometimes I will give multiple illustrations to try to bring up a point. I might have one major illustration that I'm using, but I'm using some other illustrations to supplement that illustration. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So there's many, many parables. And again, I, I just make this point because sometimes when people read parables, they get so caught up in all the terminology of the parable, and they make doctrines that don't exist. There's a, made, there's a spiritual point that's being made. Uh, and we don't need to look at all the different... At all the, sometimes you can read into Scripture too much. That make, that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, we need to study to show ourselves a proof. There is a diamond in there, but sometimes we make a diamond where there's no diamond. Um, you know, and so... I don't want to make a major point with that, but it's just a... Um, there's a... In other words, when I'm reading a parable, there's a jewel, there's a principle that's supposed to be heard. And uh, uh, some of the other part is just part of the illustration. Okay? And I'm hoping I'm making sense. Yeah. Um, but 
Verse 24 says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain has sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it leave have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. <coughs> the servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. That's why you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now, again, we have this parable of the wheat and the tares. And again, I'll I, I just make this point again. That a parable is a natural illustration to uh, make a spiritual point. See, the kingdom, again, the kingdom of God is a mystery. And God, Jesus and God is using parables to unlock those mysteries. If we can understand the parables, we can better understand the kingdom. Does that make sense? They're mm -hmm. a key to unlock the mystery so we can understand it. Okay? Before we go into the explanation, because the explanation we'll pick up in verse uh, 36. Before we go to the explanation of this parable, I want to look at two more parables real quick. Verse 31. Because in between the parable of the wheat and the tares and the explanation of the, the parable of the tares, Jesus gives two more parables. Okay? So I want to look at these two because they will help also help us understand the, the, not only the parable of the sower, but they will also help us understand the parable of the wheat and tares. Okay? Then another parable he, he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. There's a lot here in these two verses. Mm -hmm. I'm not so focused on them being a mustard seed. But the, the, the idea that it is a seed. The part I like about the mustard seed being the least of all seeds, it goes back to what we just read in Corinthians, to the world is foolishness. Mm -hmm. It's the least of this. It's the least. It's like, what can you do with this thing? But to us who believe, it is the power of God. And if we can understand the mustard seed, if we can understand the seed, seed time and harvest, we can understand more the kingdom of God. And when not only, not, and let me just make this point too, from especially from, especially from verse 32, is that if we preach the gospel, right, <coughs> if we understand the gospel, right, not only will it grow and become fruitful, but it will become fruitful in such a sense, not so that we can multiply, we'll get, we'll, we're going to get into that, but also it becomes a place where other people, can, where other birds can come nest uh -huh. and grow. Uh -huh. If people are not nesting in a good way in our tree, then there's nothing wrong with the seed. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with the, the heart that is hearing and receiving. Right. That makes sense? Yes. I want people to nest. 
Now, there are other reasons why people are not nesting in that tree, and that goes with the parable of the tares, weeding the tares. But we're going to see that there's going to be both the good, bear, good birds and the bad birds nesting in the same tree. We're going to see that in just a minute, okay? Um, but uh, let's not go there completely yet. But in other words, let, let me just see, just see the, the wisdom of God. Remember, I made the point just a minute ago. Now, the, the world, and especially Satan, had known that the, the mystery of the gospel kingdom, they would never have crucified the king of glory. Mm-hmm. But God has so much wisdom in one seed. Even the least of the seeds of mustard seed. You plant that seed. God has planted that seed. We, Jesus said that unless a man would be born again, he can't see, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Peter says that we are born again not by the, by the corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. God has conceived his seed in our hearts. And in other words, God has conceived his seed in the church. Mm. And he has multiplied himself. One seed has now become an army. The saints, the living, the the church of the living God, the church of the firstborn. And God has, with one seed, he has multiplied himself. And he has, that seed is the word of God. That seed is the word of God that the word of God's kingdom, and God has multiplied. You see how powerful that is? Mm-hmm. Jesus talked to the disciples. They got the seed. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. More people came into the kingdom. There was multiple. Mm-hmm. You read the book of Acts, you see multiplication taking place. It happened with the twelve. It happened with the seventy. It's supposed to happen with the church. The church should be multiplying mm-hmm. if the seed is being preached. The seed is being sown. Now, yes, there's going to be different kinds of soil. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Okay? Let's look at verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them. And the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. You take a little leaven and it will what? Leaven the whole lump. I've seen Sherry make cinnamon rolls and other things. And you put that yeast in and it just rises. Mm. And that just tells me these are going to be very happy cinnamon rolls. And a very happy husband because of them. But there's been times, because the yeast is not so good, that it doesn't, it doesn't rise. And it's kind of flat. It still tastes good. It just doesn't have all this uh, fluff. Uh, uh, fluff. But, again, this is a parable, a natural illustration to bring out a spiritual point. The parable, the, he said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, or yeast, which you put in the whole lump. See, this seed, this kingdom, the kingdom of God is where? Within us. Like a seed, it's planted into the earth, it's planted into the soil of our hearts. Because the kingdom of God is where? In us. Like leaven, the kingdom of God is hid, is a mystery, hid where? Paul says that the, the, the mystery of the, of the kingdom is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when you put the yeast in us, it will leaven the whole lump. If we get the seed of God, the kingdom of God in us, and by his spirit we know who we are in, in Christ, it will leaven the whole lump. It will, let me look at this. 
it will change our attitudes. It will affect our finances. It will affect our health. It will affect our mind. It will affect our marriages. It will affect our, our life, our heart, and everything about us. If we will get the kingdom of God in us, and we understand the kingdom of God, and we receive the kingdom of God, our whole life will be affected. Amen. And if we do that with other people, combining the, the parable of the, of the leaven and the parable of the seed, it will multiply to other people. You can change a nation. You can change a culture. Mm. You can change a family. You can change a generation mm. with the gospel. Mm. It's a seed. It will leaven the whole lump. The kingdom of God is more powerful and it's more love. God, Jesus said, I, I want you to bear fruit and fruit that remains. Mm. Our heart in this ministry is that people not just get a microwave version of the gospel, but they become established in the gospel. Yeah. But they, see, when Sherry makes cinnamon rolls and puts yeast in it, there's a certain time period that that yeast needs to rise. You can't just, you can't expedite the process. Right. You can't let it, let it be too long, because the, the, the dough will spoil. And I'm okay with not too long. You know, but you also need to be patient. If you want the cinnamon rolls to come out beautiful and tasty and fluffy, uh, you know, like the Pillsbury boy, you know, woo you know, you just uh, you you want to you got you got to do the right time period. And there's another principle here with both the seed and also the leaven. There's a process. There's a process of, of seed, time, and harvest. There's a process of gestating and germinating, gestating, growing, and becoming fruitful. You can't, you can't abort the seed. You can't abort the process. There's a process, but it will work. It doesn't have to be a long, lengthy process, and as far as it taking years, in a sense. In a sense, it will take a lifetime. We will keep on going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But at the same point in time, you know, there's a time where it can start. And they can start transforming your attitude and your behavior and your finances. I, we haven't seen everything that we want to see. But I can tell you this. We have seen a difference in our health. We have seen a difference in our attitude. We have seen a difference in our finances. We just ended last year. And last year, and we're a small church. We're a very small church compared to other people. And I'm not trying to compare ourselves, but I'm, I am giving the testimony of God. We just finished last year at the end of, uh, we've had four years of this ministry, but only three really financial years. And even the first year, most of that year was, wasn't even much because we're still getting started. And a lot of it reflects the last two years, or the last two and a half years. But God has blessed this ministry for over $186,000 for this ministry. That's huge. And so, and, and we started with not two dimes to our name. But we trusted God. We trusted his word. And, his, and, and that, it's not about the finances. It's not about that. It's about the whole enchilada. Mm -hmm. Not about you. I, I want the whole deal. And there's other areas that we're still working on. And it's, it's also made our marriage better. There's other areas of our life. It has leavened the whole lump. And it will continue to leaven the whole lump. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But there's, there's also, and, and, and let me just say this about the progression, because there is a progress. 
And some of that progress is because I need to become more understanding. You know, there's certain parts of the gospel I haven't understood until recent years. So it can't progress if I haven't got it in my heart. Yeah. That makes sense? Regarding finances or regarding healing or, or whatever the case may be. If I didn't have that revelation, not because it wasn't there, but I didn't receive it. But once I received it, and I, and I meditated on the Word of God, I watered it with the Word, and I let it germinate and gestate, I started to see the kingdom of God work in that area of my life. So part of the progression, or lack of progression, is because I don't have a revelation on it. But at the same point in time, I'm also not where we want to be. <coughs> There's something that God has put on our hearts for 2019, as far as growth in all those areas. And we want to see multiplication in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see multiplication in all those areas. Because that's the word of God that's been sown in our hearts. And we're, we're going to see that leaven, leaven the whole lot. Because the kingdom of God is here. It's the leaven. And it's going to leaven the whole lot. And there's principles of the God's got that kingdom. I mean, I'm not going to talk about tithing. I talked about this while back. But we tithe as individuals. We tithe as a church, and we're seeing the kingdom of God affect both our finances as a church and our finances as a couple. We are better financial than we've ever been. Amen. We started this journey with nothing. Amen. And here we are, we're better financial than we've ever been. And in a sense, we're not doing anything different. We're not even making more money. As far as I'm working on our taxes for this year, and the, the IRS considers us poverty. But we're doing better than we've ever done. Amen. We're not cheating. We're not doing anything. We're doing it. We're doing everything right that God told us to do. But the leaven, we have to leaven the whole lump. We're doing good. The kingdom, in other words, the kingdom of God works, folks. And if they think that I haven't had a cold or a flu or anything that sense since 2009. Yes, there's times uh, uh, the bug tries to come. What not? I'm not, but it's not going to come in this house. Because this house has been redeemed Amen. by the blood of Jesus Christ. I refuse to be sick. I get it that it might try to come. I can't keep it from coming, but I can get it from, to go in That's Jesus' right. name. Amen. I can't get people from knocking on my door or calling me on the phone. I get scam calls every day. I don't answer them. I can't keep them. There's some ways... It seems like the more I put down this fire and two more have come up. <laughs> I can't keep them from calling, but I don't have to receive them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, all right, let's move on. Let's get to uh, verse 34. And in all these things, Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. And I will utter names kept secret from the foundation of the world. Verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the terrors of the field. Interesting, he didn't have to explain the other parables, so he explained this one. But that's besides the point. Verse 37. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, being Jesus. <coughs> the field is the world, and the good seeds 
are the sons of the kingdom. Now, in the, in the parable of the sower, the, the good seed, the seed is the word of God. But in this parable, the seeds are the sons of God. And who, that, who, are, the, who are those? Us. We're the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the but the tares are the sons of who? The wicked one. And the enemy, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of this age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wearing and gnashing of teeth, and then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, and he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He repeats that phrase again. Now, this parable can be a controversial parable to some. It can also be a very sobering parable to some. But let me let me point this out. We're not speaking condemnation. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay. But at the same point in time, there is a sobering, <coughs> a sobering truth to be realized here. But first of all, let's back up just for a moment and just uh, make sure we got some definitions here. Uh, first of all, the, the sower is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed in this parable is the children of, of the kingdom of God. The tares are the children of the wicked one, and then the enemy is the devil. Now, some people have used this parable to think that it's talking about the, the future. Because some people don't think the kingdom of God is here. Mm-hmm. They think it's coming when we see him face to face. But just the fact that in verse 41, that the ain't, uh, excuse me, my iPad's going to do something different. Just the fact that the angels are gathering those who offend and those who practice lawlessness, we know there won't be any offense and lawlessness in heaven. It's talking about his kingdom here. There's a kingdom here, okay? Um, I made your point, but I just want to bring it up. But that means when we talk about the parable of the wheat and the tares, when you I don't. I'm not a farmer. I've never farmed anything, and I just started growing wheat. I did put. I did farm a potato, and uh, uh, I was. I didn't. Uh, Sherry was teaching me some basics about the potato, and uh, I didn't know why every once in a while these potatoes would have extra uh, unique looking things growing out of them, and, uh, and so we planted one, and just a potato. And, and in a little while, we had more potatoes. And uh, I, pulled, I probably uh, harvested them too fast because uh, these potatoes were not big. They were little small golf balls. But, uh, but the, the, the science of it all, it worked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I learned how to harvest and plant and harvest potatoes. So I did farm. I was successful. I aborted it too early, but I, I was successful. So I, I, I take it back and have fun. I have never farmed wheat. But I understand this about wheat, that wheat and tares, when tear, tear, when they when they're growing and they don't have the, the head but the stalk, they look just alike. Yeah. 
To someone who doesn't know what a tear is, you won't be able to tell the difference. They're growing, they grow simultaneously, side by side, in the same field. It's not until harvest time that you can tell the difference. The, the tear will depend on where, what part of the world you are, but tears have a black head. They're ugly. Here in America, in Oklahoma, there's a weak capital of the country, I've been told. I got some of this from Dwayne Sheriff, and that's where his church is at, so. Uh, anyway, in Oklahoma. But even he's just not a farmer, and he learned this from farmers in his church, so. And here they call it, I think he said they call it cheat, cheat or whatever they call it, and they use a different name, but it's like tear. Uh-huh. And when they open when they open the head, it's hollow. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inside. But both the ones here huh. and the ones there, the tears, see, wheat will bend with the wind. You'll see the waviness of the wheat. But tares are stiff. They're hard. They don't bend in the wind. Uh, they're stiff-backed, if you will. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hard in different things. Even cows, if you would feed a bunch of hay that comes from the, the wheat stalks, the cows know the difference between a tear and they will spit the tear out. Hmm. Cows can tell the difference. They don't want the fake stuff. They want the real deal. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life that I didn't like what I ate and I spit it out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not what I thought it was. And I don't even know what I thought it was, but I definitely didn't want that. And anyway, I won't prolong that description. But when we talk about wheat and tares, they're in the same field. And until harvest time, until the time, you can't tell the difference. Mm. In other words, I believe tares and wheat are in the church, mm. alongside those in the church. They look alike, they talk alike, they dress alike, they worship alike, and you can't tell the difference. You can't tell the difference until harvest time, mm. until they mature. Until it comes to its fruition. And then you can tell what, is it, what seed they are. I don't even know trees. I can tell you an apple, especially different citrus trees. I couldn't tell you just by the leaves and different things. An orange tree from a lemon tree or a grapefruit tree. But when the fruit comes, I can tell an orange from a lemon mm-hmm. or a lime or a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. I can tell the difference. But I can't tell the difference sometimes just by, uh, at the beginning. Someone who's an expert might be able to tell you, but I can't. Yeah. God's the expert. God's the one that searches the hearts. We're not necessarily judging one another in that regard. And if you see the parable of the tares, the, the servants asked the Lord if they were to pluck it out. He said, no, you have to let them grow. Mm. simultaneously. Mm. We're not here repu- refusing anybody in that regard. And part of the concern was not so much about the tares, according to the parable. It was, by doing so, you're going you're gonna to gather some of the good. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, there's a lot that can be said here, but we have to be careful when we debate with people and where and how and what context we're doing it because we can actually injure some other people in the process. Yeah. And we have to be careful with that. That's not my, my main point here, but I just want to throw that out there. But Harbors, see, I believe this terror is religion. I believe, and especially not just any religion, although that can imply, but it was also Christian religion. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power therein. It's like the sheep and the goats. They grow in the, they can grow in the same herd sometimes, or whatever it is, but they're different. Mm. They're, it's like the, the virgin, the, the ten virgins. They all look alike. But only five had oil. Only five were prepared. Yeah. Okay? They're like Isaac and Ishmael. They have the same father. They have the same bloodline, if you will, in that sense. Because the bloodline comes from the father. But they, they are a different seed. The promise was not made to Ishmael. It was made to Isaac and his, his seed. It, that makes sense? Mm -hmm. But Ishmael... Was also came from Hagar, who represents the law. Hagar was not his wife. Hagar was just a maidservant. I forget the term that they use, but anyway, but it was a Hagar was just a white nightstand. Sarah was a marriage ongoing. Mm. Ishmael <coughs> was yes, he was his son. By birth and they are the father. But in many ways, Ishmael is a counterfeit. In a sense that, and religion is a counterfeit. Because Isaac was his true seed by holy matrimony. I'm not going to get too specific to that. That's not a major point of mine. But it just, uh, religion is a counterfeit. I don't know about you, but I, I've seen a few counterfeits in my time. I worked at in and out Burgers for 10 years. I think I caught three counterfeits in the time I was there. One of them was obvious because George Washington just didn't fit on the $20 bill. Yeah, that one was just a little obvious to me. But they tried to do it. Mm -hmm. And they always came during rush hour. They didn't come during, of course, when we go to in and out and they put well, when's rush hour? It's like, it's always busy. So there's, you there, you tell there, there's times where it's just a little slower than, uh, than usual. Um, I know that nowadays it's more rare, but the time I worked there, it was we had those we had those moments. But but they always came with rush out. But two of them, just from the from the rush of things, you they weren't very easily just tell the difference between the counterfeit and the real. Mm -hmm. But when you know the real and you've dealt with the real many times, and even in the bank, when I went to the bank, they don't teach you the counterfeits, they teach you the real deal. Because when you see the counterfeit, it will show. Uh -huh. And those who have studied money, in a sense, they can tell a counterfeit. Because mm -hmm. it just doesn't look the same, it doesn't feel the same, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It has an image of the same. It, it, it's trying to portray the same. But it's not the real deal. Relig Christian religion has a form of godliness, but no power. Religion is all about a performance, but there's no relationship. 
There's no seed. There's no connection. It's not real. It has a lot of piety, usually. Maybe have good morals. Maybe have done good things. But there's no relationship with God. And usually, just like a counterfeit, is deceptive. Many times these counterfeits are also deceived themselves. They think they're okay. They think they're fine. But they're trusting what they've done. And they haven't trusted what God's done. Mm. Their whole source is what their self-righteousness and not the righteousness of God mm. by faith. And I mean, I'm not making some strong statements, but there's a difference. Mm -hmm. From the surface, you can't see it. There's a faith, there's a counterfeit. And uh, you ever have people who they're arrogant, they resist the truth, they fight the truth. Mm -hmm. See, it's not the world. Most spiritual debates I have are not from the world. But they're from the religious church. They're from those who have a form of godliness. I don't know about you, but any debates I've had, they haven't come from the world. The world hasn't debated the gospel. I understand some of the concepts in the world today with regarding gender and different things and those 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 things have controversies. But there's a there's a religion supporting a lot of that. And I, I don't want to get into all that politics. But have you ever noticed people too, even within the church, they don't want help. And if you try to help them, they will resist you. Um, what I'm trying to paint a picture of is there's a hardness of heart. There's a resistance. And those who are Ishmaels, those who are Pharisees, they will fight. And they will resist. And they will attack the Isaacs. They always will. Some are more subtle with it. Some are more vocal with it. But the Pharisees always attack Jesus. They always attack the publicans and sinners. Yeah. You, see, you see it with Cain and Abel. You see it with Esau and Jacob. You see it with Ishmael and Isaac. You see it with David's mother and Eliab and uh, uh, David on the, on the scene of Eliab. You see it with Pharisees and religious leaders and Jesus and other apostles. You see it with the prodigal's brother and the prodigal. You see this religious spirit, this religious tear. Mm. They're in the same synagogue. Mm. They're in the same church. They, they are the seed of Abraham. But Jesus even called them, their father is the devil, the wicked one. That makes sense? I know this is sobering, and I'm not trying to condemnation, but there's a parable of the wheat and the tares about the kingdom of God. They're offended. I mean, I wish I had time to teach some of this. But in Luke 15, you have Jesus hanging out with the publicans and sinners. And the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they derided him for doing so. And then Jesus talks about the, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep, and then the, the lost son, the prodigal. 
He makes another statement in Luke 16. He gives two more parables. The, 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 I think one was a shrewd manager. I might have the wrong parable there. And then we have Lazarus and the rich man. Uh-huh. And then, then in Luke's, uh, I think it's Luke uh, 17, Jesus makes a statement. It's, a, it's impossible that offenses won't come. But wealth will do whom they come. And because one of these little ones is stumbled, you might as well put a millstone around their neck and swallow them to see. And then he switches gears and starts talking to the disciples. Yeah. Luke 15, 16, and 17, he was talking, he was addressing the, the heart of the Pharisees. He was, it's a beautiful story to follow the Son of our redemption in Christ. But it was a story addressing the heart of the prodigal brother. Mm. He was addressing the Pharisees. I mean, he, he labeled the Pharisees as different things. He, Jesus was not subtle when he dealt with the Pharisees. Uh, I'm trying to get my uh, iPad to respond here. But let me, uh, I just wrote down in my notes here some things that he called them. I'm not seeing it right now. I don't know why. Excuse me. But he called them brought of vipers and snakes. He called them whitewashed tombs with uh, uh, full dead men bones. He called them uh, uh, a bunch of names that he, he, he labeled them. And these were the religious leaders. These were in the synagogue. They were the here. They were, they were the teachers. They were the leaders in the church, if you will. Have a hard time associating them with the church, but the tares will grow simultaneously with the wheat. I believe that, and you listen enough to Andrew, you listen enough to Dwayne Sheriff and Lawson and Barry Bennett and Arthur Minchin, all these people that we love, and I love how Arthur Minchin says, "I hate religion, and the religion I hate the worst is the Christian religion." Mm. I believe, and I concur with others who say, I believe it's worse than any other drug, any other uh, profane thing that we can see in the world, because it is subtle and it is deceiving the elect of God. Mm-hmm. It is more dangerous, and it's subtle, and it's a tear, and among the wheat, mm-hmm. and it's dangerous, but it's going side by side. And the thing is, you can't, on the surface, you can't, and some of those who are weak-minded, because they're not established in the truth, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. They have good morals, and kind, well, I say they're kind, and good, but really, when, and, 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 and if, you, if you study Pharisee, all they care about is themselves. They don't care about God, and they don't care about people. That makes sense? I'm not trying to be sober with this, I'm, I'm just... Labeling this, this parable of the wheat and silver. Let me give you real quick uh, one time we got. Okay, just got a few minutes. I'll give you three examples of this. First one is Adam and Eve. Let's go real quick to Genesis chapter 3. God, I gotta pick it up mid, 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 midway, but this is where the, the serpent is tempting Eve. He says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Again, 
again, I don't have time to, to go into all the details that I wanted to here. But the temptation, verse 5, is that if you eat this tree, you will become like God, knowing good and evil. But you will become like God. See, every sin that we do has a hook. And that hook is, if I do this, I will be more benefit, it'll be more beneficial. I'll be happier. I'll be more fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. I will do it my way. My way will work. It's on our wisdom. You know, whether it's something immoral and for the moment I'm going to feel fulfillment and satisfaction, or it's drug, it's I'm going to have a certain feeling, or it's an escape, or a gossip, I'm going to feel better about putting that down this person. Whatever the addiction may be, whatever the sin may be, it's, it's, uh, it's I'm going to do it my way. I don't know about you, but the very best thing that I've ever done in my life is obey God. Mm. And obey His word. There was, not only become like that, but in the middle of this deception, there was a disobedience. God told us not to do it. Yeah. The devil saying, if you do it, you'll become like God. If I do it my way, if I disobey what God says and I'm going to do it this way, there's going to be a benefit for me. I'm going to do it my way. See, What's so bad about being like God? It looks good. Who doesn't want to be like God? Who doesn't want to be more like Him? We're born of His seed. We're born of His nature. We're all supposed to be like God, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. But what's so hideous about being more like God? What's so hideous in this temptation is that I, and I met this in the church, I'm good. I'm kind. I'm moral. I've never done anything wrong. I've never stolen from anybody. I've never done any big, the big sin, whatever that sin may be. And they're basing their righteousness based on what they've done. Yeah. Based on their goodness yeah. and their, their avoidance of evil. Based on their goodness, based on their piety, they become like God. Mm. But it's all about self religion. See, in other words, there's a subtle switch from being like God because we are made in His likeness and we are born again and we are born of the righteousness of God. In other words, there's a subtle switch that you don't need to be born again. You just need to do it your way. You just need to be good. You just need to be moral. But you don't need to be born again. That makes sense? There's a subtle difference. Uh, 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 I don't have to be born again. I don't have to submit to him. I don't have I can be holy. I can be righteous without God. I can be, be I can know that have the knowledge of good and evil if I if I just become a good person. I just, just do things right. Um, you see. I'm gonna make it this point. And we'll see this more in verse seven and go down to verse seven. And then their eyes, both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed big leaves together and made themselves covering. Now, I don't know about you, I've never tried this, but if I got big leaves together and make myself an apron, I don't think it will be designer clothing that would be sold in the market. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how silly that would look. See, 
A self-righteousness is trying to do it our way. And when we do mess up, instead of going God for help and going God for mercy, we try to cover ourselves. Mm-hmm. Lord, I've done this. I, I haven't, I've done this right. I've done that right. And it's, we're coming to God based on what we've done. And, see, those who are tares, those who are religious, from the surface, a lot of them will do good works. And from the surface, you can't always tell the difference because they will do good moral things. They might even do good charitable things. Look at the one, they were at the temple when they were said, look how much we gave in their offering plate, according to this widow who gave just a, uh, uh, basically some pennies. Mm -hmm. The heart was on based on their goodness. They might do charitable things. They might be the because of their finances, the church can exist and the church can function. In some churches, and some some churches, they will be the ones who will buy out the pastor. So the pastor, we can, we've seen this in different churches. Yeah, it's, it's corrupt. Mm-hmm. But there's no relationship with God. But in verse twenty-one, bear with me as I scroll. Verse 21, we see that also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics and skins and clothed them. How did he make those tunics? He sacrificed an animal. See, when God, when we're clothed in his righteousness, only his righteousness can clothe our nakedness, our sin, our humanity. We have put off the old man, which is flesh. And we have put on the new man, who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See, you can't cover your own sin. Not only was the skin necessary, but the sacrifice was necessary. There's only one thing that can make us holy. There's only one thing that can make us righteous, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. We can never bypass the sacrifice. Religion wants to do it their own way. Even they're self-righteous. They will promote their self-righteousness, but but, uh, but they by, they bypass the sacrifice. They bypass God's clothing with righteousness. We'll see this a little more clearer in Cain and Abel. In Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4, it says, now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offerings, but he did not respect Cain and his offerings. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to him, Cain, why are you angry, and why did his countenance fall? Just for the sake of time, I want to fast forward real quick to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And it says, And by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Through the sacrifice he he obtained that he was righteous, and God testifying that the gift and through it, and he being dead still speaks. But I also want to fast forward to verse John, chapter 3, verse 12. 
it says that Cain was of the wicked one. Hmm. The tares are the sons of the wicked one. And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. And his brothers were righteous. Hmm. The tares, the religious, the Pharisees will always attack the righteous. Ishmael attacked Isaac. He uh, it, it will always attack the righteous. It will always be jealous of the righteousness. Esau attacked, uh, hated his brother Jacob. Mm. He was jealous of the birthright. The birthright is from our righteousness in him. Our birthright is from him. Abel saw the sacrifice. He, the, the, God had already, I don't have time to teach all of this, but God, the law had not been given. But through Adam and Eve and through the clothing and through somewhere in there, God had already taught Cain and Abel the sacrifice that he wanted, and it had to be a blood sacrifice. Yeah. It looked noble. He gave his fruits and he gave his offering. And it says it's not nothing wrong with the offering and giving what he had. You can't give what you don't got. But he could have used his fruits and stuff and bought something from his brother Abel who had a sheep, who had a lamb, who had a, a, a sufficient sacrifice. But he wanted to do it his way. And it's an evil heart. I don't have, there's other scriptures I can bring out. That's an evil heart. James talks about wisdom that's from above. It's, it's pure, <coughs> it's peaceable, it's, it's, it's full of mercy. But an, an evil heart is essential, it's, it's natural thinking, it's demonic. And, uh, and there's, a, there's, there's a verse that Paul uses in Galatians 4.29 that the same way that, that Ishmael persecuted Isaac, that same spirit is still happening in the church today. Mm. And a tear, a tear, it looks, it, I mean, Cain and Abel are offering sacrifices, sacrifices side by side. They both gave the first fruits of what they have. But God wanted a blood sacrifice. Abel, Abel, Abel got a revelation of the righteousness of God in the sacrifice, according to Hebrews 11. But Cain wanted to do it his way. And there's more here I don't have time to teach you all right now. But there was evil in, in, in Cain's heart. There was a stiffness about him that wasn't willing to bow and bow to the wind. And to the, the ways of God, the ways, the wind being the spirit of God and different things. I don't have time to connect all these dots. But Abel did it what God told him to do. Someone who is, it's not about our performance and our obedience to get God to be, a, to, to be born again. We know that. But there's something also in the church today that just because I'm born again, I don't have to obey God. That's wrong. Yeah. That's evil. That's stiff-necked. How many times did God call Israel a stiff-necked people? And he was, how many times did the Pharisees and the religious leaders attack Jesus? They plotted to kill him. Yeah. And all the apostles, they martyred apostles. It just, persecution has always started with the religious it will always come there. I don't have time to teach all this right now, but what does this have to do with the gospel of the kingdom? Some other scriptures are going to bring out, but I'm out of time. Out of Romans chapter 9. 
where he says, not all of Israel is of Israel. And they rejected the cornerstone. And we rejected that. They're of the same father, Abraham. But they're not born again. Mm-hmm. It goes on to say in Romans chapter 10 that they, they're, they're ignorant of the righteousness of God. And they seek to be established in their own righteousness. I'm trying, I, don't, I don't think I've done the, the, the best picture of connecting these three examples together. But the wheat is born again because the seed, the leaven, has leavened the whole lump. They're born again. They're born of the seed, of the incorruptible seed of God. The tear is a different seed altogether. It's not to have a relationship with God. And the tear is there to take out the wheat. The tear is there to choke out the wheat. The tear will try to attack the wheat. I hope I'm making sense. But it will always hate his brother. And when it came to the Abel, he killed him. God, God, Jesus in his uh, Sermon on the Mount equated hatred with murder. My focus is not so much to highlight the tears. But there's a warning in there. And, there, and there's something to be aware, aware of. But I want to know about you. I want to be a wheat. Yeah. I want the gospel to be in me. I want to make sure that what I am presenting to the world and what I'm presenting uh, to God is not my own righteousness, but it's the righteousness of God. I'm born again. I want to make sure that I am plugged into the source. I want to make sure that the seed of God's kingdom, the parable of the sower, the parable of the, the, the loving, and loving the home, I want his nature to be in me. I want his nature to be the difference in my life. That makes sense? I don't want to be a tear. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to have a form of godliness but no power. That's where the warning is, and, and it's, it's beneficial. There's a reproof. There's the, 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 all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training well in righteousness. So a man of God might be equipped for every good work. <coughs> My job, because even the servants came to, to Jesus, are we supposed to go out there and pluck out the tares? No. Our job is not to go tear plucking. That's not our job as servants. We're, our job is not to go tear plucking. Amen. Our job is to preach the gospel of the kingdom that in hope that those tares will become wheat. Amen. They'll be born again. That makes sense? Yes. I know there's a sobering message about the tares, but that's why I said this is not a message about condemnation. They're there, and they're in a dangerous place, and they are, are given a, a negative taste, a negative uh, uh, message to the world about the, they're giving a different gospel and a different spirit. They're not of God. But at the same point, my hope is that they will be born again. And they can only be born again by the seed of God. And if I'm not preaching the gospel, they're never going to have a chance in that sense. If I'm tear blocking, I'm not preaching the gospel. And I'm going to show mercy and love and the gospel and demonstrate it. That hopefully that someone, even if it's by night, a Nicodemus might come into my life and say, how do I become born again? That makes sense? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. And he was out killing the church. And he thought they, was do- they, were, thought they were doing well. Amen. He thought he was doing a noble thing. But then <coughs> he got knocked off his horse. And he received the gospel. And he became a wheat. 
And he, <coughs> the, the leaven, leavened the whole lot like a mustard seed. And people began to nest in his tree. And we have been nesting in that tree as well. It's been fruitful. That makes sense? I'm not talking about the wheat and tares to, to speak condemnation. I'm here to encourage us to be wheat and preach the gospel. Because mm -hmm. the, the, the harvest time is the end of this age. We haven't reached that yet. We're getting closer. But while they're still here, mm -hmm. there's hope for the tares. Amen. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not here judging them. I'm here preaching Christ to them. And like Paul said, have I become your enemy? Because I preach the truth to you. I preach the gospel to you. But there, there is this thing. We preach the gospel, we will have enemies. Mm -hmm. we, there will be terrors. Mm -hmm. And they will be jealous. And they will try to take us out. Mm -hmm. Every single minister that I know, Andrew, Dwayne Sheriff, Lawson, Barry, as they were pastors especially, all get hate mail. We've gotten into it. And so, it's actually encouraging. As distracting and horrible and evil as it is, it's encouraging. We're a good company. Because some people who are not preaching the gospel, some people who are tares, don't get hate mail. They blend in. To the world, it's foolishness. And to the religious church, they are jealous. Yeah. They want the promise, but they want it their way. No, we have to be grafted into Christ. Amen. We can't do it our own way. We have to be grafted into Christ. We have to cut off the old man. We have to bear, crucify the old man. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But And I know there have been times in my life I have been a tear, preaching the God or gospel, judging other people. And different things. I have been there. Not as severe as Paul, but I have been as severe as Paul either either side of the spectrum either. Mm -hmm. But at the same point in time, I follow Paul as he follows Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to be more fruitful. I want to be more effective. The kingdom of God is here. It's within us. If we will allow it to be sown in our hearts, it will leaven the whole lump. I'm here to cultivate the soil for the tares in hopes that they will become transformed. Mm -hmm. The same way that I was transformed mm -hmm. by the renewing of my mind. That makes sense. Lord, we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you, we thank you for your word. Help us to be the soil to receive your seed. In Jesus' name, amen.